Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's start in Acts chapter 10, verse uh, 38 tonight. You know, one of the things about the Word of God that's such a blessing to me is the simplicity of the truth. And I don't think there's any more simple truth conveyed in any one scripture than in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Where things get complicated and convoluted is when men add their doctrines to what the Bible says. But I'm a real black and white guy. Things are either one way or another for me. And I appreciate that the word of God is, is just that same way. In Acts 10.38, Peter is preaching in Cornelius' house after he's been summoned supernaturally, directed by the Holy Ghost to go down to Cornelius' house. It's one of the first times that the gospel goes to the Gentiles, and he's preaching about Jesus, telling them about Jesus. And he says this about Jesus' ministry. He summarizes Jesus' ministry in one verse. He said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. This verse of Scripture tells us in very plain language that healing is always good and is always of God. And it tells us that sickness is not good and it's always of the devil. Now, a lot of times people think that, uh, that Jesus did healing works and miracles because he was the son of God. And so he's not a safe guide for us or a good uh, example for us of what God will do in any and every situation. But I want to remind you that the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus emptied himself of all of his heavenly power and glory and humbled himself to become a man come to the earth. In other words, Jesus said himself that he wasn't doing the works healing works, healing miracles, and other things here on the earth because he was the son of God. This verse of scripture even points that out and proves that to us because if Jesus was operating as the son of God here on the earth, meaning operating in the power of God that he had before he came to the earth to be a man, what need would he have to be anointed? Beyond that, I think even a bigger question that has to be asked, if Jesus is here on the earth as the son of God operating in his the same power that he had before he came to the earth as a part of the Trinity and the Godhead, the creator of the universe, who's going to anoint God? Who can anoint God? But the Bible tells us very plainly that Jesus emptied himself of his heavenly power and glory. He laid it aside. He chose to do that. That was the humbling that he endured by choice as an act of his will to come to the earth to be a man. Now I want to read to you from uh, John chapter 5 prove this a little bit further I believe we can take Jesus word for it don't you John chapter 5 Jesus has said he and his father are one and the Jews sought the more to kill him because they said he was making himself equal with God I'm going to start reading verse 19 the whole passage is relevant but I don't want to take the time to read the whole thing so I'm going to skip around with a couple of verses but to get the context of what he's saying verse 19 Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Now that would not be a true statement if Jesus was operating as the Son of God. And by that phrase I mean operating in the power that he had before he came to the earth to become a man. If he's operating in the power of the Trinity, the same power that he held before he came to earth to fulfill God's plan of redemption, that could not be true. The fact that he says the son can do nothing of himself, he's saying the power is not mine. Well, how is the power not his? 
Well, as the Bible has told us, he laid it aside to come to the earth. He chose to lay it down, to humble himself and become a man. So he said, the son can do nothing of himself. By the way, notice he said, verily, verily. That means truly, truly. He's telling us a truth that may not line up with a lot of people's idea or a lot of people's doctrine. But he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. Now skip down with me to um, verse 27 or verse 26. For as the father has life in himself, so hath he given. Notice that phrase, so has he given to the son to have life in himself. Now, again, if Jesus is operating as the the pre-incarnate son of God, person of the Trinity, creator of the universe. Then how is it that God has given him life? He would have life of his own, wouldn't he? He existed with the father before the creations of the world. But here Jesus, again, is talking about the fact that he's laid aside his heavenly power and glory and came to the earth. He said, for as the father had life in himself, so is he also given to the son to have that same life in him. Now notice verse 27, clenches the nail. It said, and has given him authority to execute judgment also because, everybody say because. Because he is the son of man. Notice it doesn't say because he's the son of God. It says because he's the son of man. Now what authority did Jesus execute, or I'm sorry, what judgment did Jesus execute here on the earth? Well, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says the whole reason Jesus was manifested for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10 38 just told us what some of those works were. He healed the sick because sickness is of the devil. Another way to use Paul's language, Jesus is destroying the law of sin and death on the earth. That is the result of sin coming upon mankind in the Garden of Eden. That is where sickness came from. God created the earth in six days. At the end of it, he looked and said, it's good. It's very good. There was nothing that could hurt man. There was no sickness and disease present. The Bible says at the end of six days, God made an end of everything that he made. Sickness wasn't made in those first six days. So he didn't make it. Where did it come from? It came as a result of the fall of man came as a result of the law of sin and death that held mankind bound until Jesus came to destroy those works. Jesus says of himself, his words, God has given him life. Well, what kind of life does God have? Certainly that life includes healing power. That's where healing power comes from. It's from God. It's part of the life of God. Jesus said, as the father has life in himself, so also is he given to the son to have that same life or that same healing power in himself. Well, when did he give it to him? Did he give it to him when he was born as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem? Well, if he did, then why did Jesus need to be anointed of the Holy Ghost? Why did Jesus need to be baptized by John in the Jordan River and the Holy Ghost descend on him in bodily shape as a dove? That's when the miracles started happening. Jesus said of his own ministry, of his own, of himself, He said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the first time he went back to his hometown of Nazareth after he'd been baptized by John in the Jordan River, and that's when the Holy Ghost came upon him. He told what happened. 
He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He tells what he was anointed to do. Part of it's healing the sick. That's when God gave him this life. He's not talking about the life that he had as a baby and growing up. He's talking about the anointing that was given to him when the Holy Ghost came upon him. That's when he began to execute judgment upon the works of the devil. That's when he began to execute judgment on the law of sin and death. Before then, Jesus just lived as a covenant person, an old covenant man, in the blessings of God for himself. But it was when he was anointed of God, anointed of the Holy Ghost, when John baptized him in the Jordan River. That's when he started doing works and miracles to benefit mankind. Jesus said the reason that he had the authority to execute judgment upon the earth, judgment upon the devil and his works, is because he was the son of man. Not the son of God. Jesus is telling us how this works. He's saying a man. With an anointing. Can do the same works. That he did. He's saying it's the power of the Holy Ghost upon him. That's enabling him to do the healing miracles. Now we know the things that Jesus did. Acts ten thirty eight tells us the things that Jesus did. It summarizes these things. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing. Who did he heal? All that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. It's a great blessing to me to realize that Jesus never had to pray and find out if it was God's will to heal somebody. There's only one reason why that, how that can be true. And that is for it to be God's will to heal everybody. Because remember Jesus is not picking and choosing winners and losers. Those that are healed versus those that stay sick because he's the son of God. He's here to execute judgment upon the works of the devil, which means destroy the power of sickness in everybody that was willing to receive and uh, receive by faith. He didn't have to pray. He never came to one person with all the, the church world doctrine, modern day church doctrine about God wanting some people to be sick and learn something from sickness. You'd think with all the people that Jesus ministered healing to that would have at least been one of those that he had come across where he would have responded when they wanted to receive healing. He would have responded, no, I'm sorry, God wants you to stay sick. In fact, for the church to adopt that doctrine, that idea of the character and the nature of God, when the Bible does not give us an example of it happening in Jesus' ministry, is adding to the word It's showing God to be something that the Bible does not reveal him to be. The Bible says there's a great consequence to adding to his word. I don't want to be the one to do that. Do you? But the modern day church has done that. They've come up with their own doctrines to try to explain away why people haven't gotten healed. Well, there's no question that not everybody receives their healing. Just in the same way that not everybody receives the salvation that Jesus purchased for them on the cross. But does that not mean, does that mean that the salvation doesn't belong to everybody? No, it belongs to everybody just like healing does. Turn with me to Acts, I mean to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah looking forward to the work of the Messiah, the work of Jesus here on the earth. I want to pull out a few verses of scripture for the sake of time. 
Verse, five, uh, verse 4, Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word griefs is the word sickness and the word sorrows is the word pain. Surely. The only time the word surely is used in chapter 53, which all Bible scholars acknowledge is the Messianic chapter. It's the chapter that talks about the work of Jesus on the cross. The only time the word surely is used is in connection with sickness and disease. Surely. He has borne our, pain, our sickness and carried our pains, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. Notice healing is in the same verse, talking about the work of Jesus on the cross. Healing is accomplished in the same verse, in the same manner, in the same way that forgiveness of sins is. Now, some would say, yeah, but that was just talking about Jesus and him being somebody and that did something that we can't do. Some would say that's not talking about physical sickness and disease, not talking about healing for the body. It's talking about healing for the soul. But the Bible gives us a commentary. The Bible gives us an explanation of Isaiah 53. I'm going to start reading from Matthew chapter 16. Read verses 16 and 17 to give us the Holy Ghost commentary on Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. When the evening was come, they brought unto him, talking about Jesus, many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Everybody say all. How many did he heal? He healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So the Holy Ghost understood Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, 4 specifically. Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. The Holy Ghost understood that as he inspired Matthew to write in Matthew eight seventeen, The Holy Ghost understood that verse to refer to physical sickness and disease. Now, some will say, yeah, but see, it was fulfilled in Jesus' day. It was fulfilled in Jesus' day, not for us. Well, Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about what Jesus would do in his earthly ministry. It talked about what he would do on the cross. He was wounded for our transgressions. Was that in his earthly ministry or on the cross? It's on the cross. He was bruised for our iniquities. In his earthly ministry or on the cross? On the cross. The chastisement or punishment for our peace, our well-being, in every area of life was upon him. When? In his earthly ministry or on the cross? On the cross. And with his stripes we were healed. Why would somebody pull out one of four and say that that was fulfilled in Jesus' earthly ministry and not on the cross when they say that the other three and recognize clearly that the other three were accomplished on the cross? Doesn't make sense. Furthermore, the Bible tells us that Jesus forgave sins when he was here on the earth. Did Jesus forgiving sins on the earth negate the work of salvation on the cross? The forgiveness of sins is accomplished on the cross? Not at all. Then why would Jesus healing the sick on the earth negate the work of healing that the Bible says in Isaiah 53 would be accomplished through his sacrifice on the cross? It wouldn't and wasn't. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. We, were, we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we were healed. With his stripes we were healed. Now turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to see something else about this. I don't expect to tell you anything new tonight, folks. I don't know that there is anything new to tell. But the simple truth of the word will set you free. Not the eloquent preaching of the word. The simple truth of the word. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is talking about the church and what belongs to the church and what Jesus did for us. Notice verse 19 and 20. He says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own? Don't you understand that? He's asking. Don't you understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And as such, the Spirit of God lives within you and should affect the way that you live. That's the point he's making. Notice in verse 20, for you are bought with a price. Well, yeah, we're bought with a price. Our spirits are bought with a price. We understand that. But notice what he says. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Paul is saying, by the Holy Ghost, here's a third witness. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Here's a third witness. We could give you many more. But we'll go with three for tonight. Here's a third witness saying that Jesus paid the same price for your body. The healing of your body that he did for your spirit. Now what price did he pay? Well, I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. You don't have to turn to all these if you don't want to. It's talking about the elders in heaven after the church is caught up into the heaven and before the throne of God and it says and they fell down and they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book talking about Jesus and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation now if you put these verses of scripture together you'll see that where Paul says to the church you're bought with a price The same price that bought your spirit, bought your body, bought healing for your body. The Bible tells us what that price was. It was the precious blood of Jesus. It was the precious blood of Jesus. Now notice the word redeemed in there. The word redeemed in there, and it's commonly translated redeemed from the Greek. In Galatians 3.13, for example, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. This Greek word means to ransom or to buy back. So the Bible says that you're bought with a price. You were bought back or ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus. But now I want you to notice over in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and this is an objection that some people raise concerning healing for the physical body. Romans chapter 8 tells us, um, well, let's just start reading verse 21. It says, because the creature itself, the word creature is the word creation. It means all of the earth. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption under the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. 
And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. See, some people will take that verse of Scripture and say, well, see, the body's not being redeemed yet. That's a different word. It's a compound word that means to set free something that's already been ransomed. To set free something that's already been ransomed. In other words, it's telling us what God's plan is. God's plan was to send Jesus to the earth to destroy the works of the devil. To buy man back from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8 says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So Jesus came to the earth to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the law of sin and death. We know that that includes sickness and disease. He destroyed that by healing the body. And then he went to the cross to make an eternal sacrifice for mankind. It was an eternal sacrifice that was made with his own precious blood. He bought us back from the law of sin and death once and for all. The consequences of spiritual death. One of which is sickness and disease. He bought us back once and for all with his precious blood. But that's not the end result, or that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is that Jesus is coming back. We're to occupy till he comes, to occupy with the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and enforce our freedom over the law of sin and death, including sickness and disease. But then Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to change these natural bodies into glorified bodies. So that there's no evidence, no taint, no residue of sin and death in man forever and ever. Now that's the redemption that it's talking about. That we're waiting for the redemption of the body. We're waiting to receive our glorified bodies. But in the meantime, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28 verse 61 says, Every sickness and every disease is a part of that curse of the law. Every one. Well, what's that leave for us to do? Well, if we were talking about the forgiveness of sins, if we were talking to a crowd of people that were unsaved and we wanted them to experience the freedom that Jesus purchased for us in spirit, we'd go to what the Bible says to do. We'd instruct them to believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. In other words, that Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross, and was raised from the dead by the power of God. That's one part. The second part is, and to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, we could take them to the prayer room and pray the prayer with them and help them. But you don't need somebody else to pray that prayer for you. You can, by yourself, follow the instruction of the Word of God and receive salvation, meaning the forgiveness of sins, right? Many of us did it on our own rather than going to somebody's prayer room. It's a simple act of faith. In obedience to the word of God, we do what the Bible says to do and we get the Bible results. Well, in the same way, through the same sacrifice, the same shedding of the same precious blood, we have the opportunity to receive by faith that which Jesus purchased for us in body. He purchased our body along with and at the same time as our spirits with the same price, the same ransom of his precious blood. And we can simply receive by faith healing for the physical body. Now, the Bible tells us how to do that. Turn with me to Mark chapter 11. 
Mark chapter 11. Now we could pray for people, and that's a good thing to do. We often do that. But you don't have to have somebody pray for you. You can receive it on your own because it's your faith that does the work. Not the prayer room workers or mine or anybody else's. It's your faith that does the work to receive. Mark chapter 11, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, what things you desire could include healing, certainly. That's our subject for tonight. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, meaning healing in this case, and you shall have them. Now notice, folks, that the healing in uh, the Bible is telling us very specifically that healing exists in two realms. Healing exists in the spirit realm or the unseen realm because Jesus has already accomplished that through his sacrifice. But he's saying if we'll believe when we pray as an act of faith, and this is the prayer of faith in action, he's saying if we will believe that healing is already accomplished in the unseen realm when we pray and thereafter, that God will see to it that it becomes real in the physical realm, in the seen or the natural realm. So it exists in two realms. It's just as true, actually it's more true in the unseen realm than once we see it. It's eternally purchased. I think a lot of times people have the wrong idea when they come to have, be prayed for for healing. I've had people a lot of times say, Pastor Michael, I want you to pray for me that I will be healed. And oftentimes in talking to them, I'll see that they're looking for God to do something in addition to what Jesus has already done. Well, that doesn't work. So I'll ask them, what are you expecting to happen when we pray? Well, I expect God's going to heal me. What does that mean to you? Well, he's just going to show his healing power, healing mercy upon me and cause something to change. And I'll ask them, do you think Jesus is going to do something in addition to what he's already done? And most of the time people haven't thought in those terms. But folks, faith means you believe something is already done. Faith means you believe Jesus has already accomplished the work. If we were praying for somebody's salvation, bringing them into the family of God, we wouldn't expect Jesus to go back to the cross for them, would we? No, because the work's already finished. Well, then would we expect Jesus to go back to the cross for them to uh, accomplish or facilitate their healing? No. The work's already finished. So what does the prayer of faith do? The prayer of faith reaches out an unseen hand into the unseen realm to take hold of what's already been done in the spirit realm. And the Bible says if you hold fast the profession or confession of your faith, it will draw it from the unseen realm into the natural realm where you can see it and feel it. Now the devil doesn't want you to know about that. Because if you understand that principle, you can change anything in your life. Jesus has just changed the circumstances in this situation. In Mark chapter 11, he's just cursed a fig tree, a living, thriving fig tree that had leaves on it, just no fruit. It became a a dried up, withered tree overnight. And he's telling us, here's how this works. You have to reach into the unseen realm with the hand of faith and draw it from behind the veil into the realm where you can see it and feel it. Now from the devil's standpoint, his fight begins 
when you say, I believe I received my healing. Because from the time that you reach with that unseen hand, the hand of faith, into the unseen realm, the spirit realm, to take hold of what the Bible tells you is over there. He's going to work overtime, do everything he can to try to shake you loose of your faith and your confession. Because he knows that the only way he can stop it from coming to pass is to affect you, to get you to change. Because God never changes. God's word is established forever. What the Bible says is over there, meaning in the unseen realm, is really there. What the Bible says we can reach over with the hand of faith and take hold of and bring over into this realm, you can really reach over and bring it into this realm. The only possible work that the devil can do to stop it is to get you to change what you say. Thank God for the privilege we have to walk by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Brother Hagin used to say, I had just gotten to Bible school. And one day in healing school, he made a statement that just rocked me, shook me to the core. He said, I feel sorry for people that have always had it easy in life. I thought, not me. I always wanted to be one of them. He said this. He said, I feel sorry for people that have always had it easy in life because they never learned the value of walking by faith. They're always trusting in the circumstances and the ease of their condition. And they never learn the value of trusting God and receiving by faith. Folks, after walking with God for almost 40 years in his word, I can tell you it is more valuable to know how to trust God and to walk by faith than it is for things to always go your way. And I'll tell you something else. The times when things have come easy, I've had a couple of situations, not many, but I've had a couple of situations where things came easy and quick. And in those situations, usually through somebody else's prayer, somebody else's faith, adding their faith to mine perhaps. And in those situations, I now regret that I didn't get those, obtain the, the results by standing in faith on my own. I would rather get it on my own because that way you gain experience And find out for yourself the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And there's nothing that's worth more than that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that healing was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. We thank you that he redeemed us, ransomed us by his own precious blood. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, which means he redeemed us from every sickness and every disease known or unknown to man. We thank you, therefore, Father, that healing is ours by faith. By an act of our will, with the hand of faith, believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth, we reach across beyond the veil of the the unseen realm. And we take hold, by faith, of the healing that Jesus accomplished for us. We say that we believe that we receive our healing. Now, in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we know that if we were praying the prayer of salvation, something would change. In the same way, we're exercising the same faith to receive healing from the unseen realm to the natural realm. We thank you, therefore, Father, 
because we believe we receive our healing, that you see to it that it manifests and appears in this natural realm. Thank you, Father, that the prayer of faith heals the sick every time. Therefore, we declare that we're healed from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. In Jesus' precious name. If you can agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. According to the word of God, you're healed. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, I don't feel any different. Well, keep confessing what the Bible says and you will. That's the key. The devil wants to make you think nothing happened because you can't see or feel any change. The Bible says what you did will make real your healing in this natural realm. Hold fast the profession of your faith. Amen? Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank God for his goodness. Thank you, Father, for your healing mercy. Thank you that you anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Thank you that Jesus went to the cross as our substitute. He paid the price for sin and sickness and disease. Thank you, Father, that we're healed by faith because of the finished work of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.